Episode 33, Learning to Monetize Your Blog. Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chainer Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm your co-host, Katie Walsh. And today our topic is making income off a blog. So Katie, how's your day today? My day was good today, Dan. I have started a new job. So I'm not going to be able to be on as many podcasts because we record our podcasts basically in the middle of the day. Right. And during the day I'm at work, I'm pretty bummed that I'm missing out on all these great conversations, but it's only for a short time while I work towards my goal of paying off my student loan. Right. And I think that one thing that you said there that was really important is your goal. Like that's in essence your goal for this year. You want to pay off over $33,000 worth of student loan debts. Right. That was my New Year's resolution for myself, that by Christmas time, my debt will be paid off. Fantastic. And I think, you know, like focusing on that one goal is so important. You know, like something like a blog is exactly that. It's focusing on one thing. It's not a quick thing that you're going to turn around in one day and it's all of a sudden built. It's literally one baby step at a time. You may take three steps forward to take two steps back, but as long as you're pushing forward and keeping out what you're doing, you will be successful. Right. And just like with paying off my debt, the blog is also a goal for me. So after work every day, I come home and I work on my Pinterest uh, for a couple of hours every night to help really grow the traffic for the blog. So I was really interested to hear what our guest has to say because he has done such an incredible job with his Pinterest account. Yeah, today's guest is Benjamin Huber, and he is one of the co-founders of Breaking the 1%. So, yeah. Do you want to dive right into the interview? Yes. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey Chainers and welcome to another edition of Chainer Wealth. Today I have Benjamin Huber with us. Benjamin and his co-founder Jeffrey Proctor are two young entrepreneurs sharing what they've learned along the way about money, investing and business. From simple side hustles to full-fledged startups to start building a solid investment portfolio, Breaking the 1% is all about giving you the tools and insights to break through and start earning real money. Welcome Ben. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate taking the time to invite us on to your show. And we're definitely looking forward to spending the next 30 minutes with you, kind of get an idea and introduce us to your viewers. Fantastic. Let's kick it off. All right. So on your website, you talk about making extra money a lot in your blog, breaking the 1%. So let's dive into that a bit. Where did the idea for your blog come from? Yeah. So breaking the 1% was actually uh, not our original idea. Um, like many entrepreneurs, uh, we had actually started another project along the way, and uh, we kind of got the idea for breaking the 1% kind of out of the failures uh, from our first our website, really. Uh, Jeff and I, uh, the co-owner of Breaking the 1%, I think we started at Virginia Tech. I started in 2006 uh, here in the East Coast of the United States, and Jeff started, I think, 2008. He's actually a couple of years younger than me. Uh, we went to school together, and... Uh, didn't actually do anything to do with business. Both of us are were science majors. I I did biology and Jeff did biochemistry. So not a whole lot of background in finance at first, anyways. 
Um, but anyways, yeah, so we actually got the idea post-graduate um, that we wanted to start our own business. It's actually something that we had kind of joked about uh, during, during school, um, but never really you know, got too serious about it until we actually entered the workforce after school. It's definitely a jump into the workforce after school and trying to figure out what to do next can be very tough. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that, you know, when I graduated, I was kind of faced with the reality of, oh, wow, it's actually time to get a a job now. I I was actually, you think about it, you spend your senior year preparing to enter the workforce and actually had kind of no clue what I wanted to do. Uh, I was a biology major and I had decided that I didn't want to do uh, med school. That was actually my original plan was to go to med school. Um, But I actually... Uh, dated someone that was in med school for a number of years and, and that went well, but I saw uh, what all went into it. And I decided that's not quite the lifestyle I wanted. You know, she was working 80 hours a week, a hundred hours a week, sometimes pulling crazy shifts and that, you know, it's actually something that kind of just come full circle. I kind of do that from time to time now, but the end, the end game here is that, you know, that won't be something I do for the rest of my life. Uh, so Anyhow, yeah. So I started, I actually got into nursing straight out of school. Um, and my friend Jeff actually ended up working for a private wealth management firm. Uh, that's where the finance aspect of this all came together. And uh, so Jeff actually, he actually, the whole reason the business even came together is because he kind of got a little jaded uh, working for this finance firm. He was, he was working for $8 an hour uh, out of college, which here in the States is approximately minimum wage. Right. Um, so definitely, definitely not, you know, raking in the big bucks straight out of school, especially for someone who had their bachelor's degree. Um, it's, I think our interest, you know, in finance and investing that kind of stuff spurred from that. Jeff and I had been throughout college, Jeff and I had been into trading, you know, stocks and we kind of dabbled it here, dabbled a little bit there, but never just being in school, the income wasn't there to, to really swing accounts you know, one way or another. So we were kind of entering the workforce and, and trying to kind of pad our bank accounts a little bit, but uh, just, just not quite there yet once we got out of school. But yeah, so yeah, I ended up working as a nurse straight out of school and Jeff worked for that private you know, wealth management firm for about two or three years. And finally, one day we were just talking on the phone and you're like, you know, Jeff finally got fed up with, with being at that company and said, let's do our own thing. And I said, all right, what do you want to do? I mean, it was just that simple. We really, we really didn't really know what we wanted to do, but we knew we shared this common interest in investing. Um, we had both, it was more of a hobby than anything, but we had both followed it for so many years that we just got interested in it. And uh, we decided that we were going to start our own a website about investing. We were going to teach fellow millennials how to invest. And that's where we came up with the idea of something called vtxcapital.com. It's actually a website we still have and we still operate. I'm not sure if you've got a chance to check that one out at all. Um, But basically, the premise behind the website was to effectively teach people how to manage their money, both from an investing standpoint, uh, managing student loans, managing debt. And our goal behind the site was to essentially monetize it by by selling financial advice or selling packages to help people you know, manage their money better. Um, and we learned a ton of lessons over the years, uh, mostly through failure, of course, as <laughs> most entrepreneurs know. Uh, so it's just something that we spent a year of our time, you know, a ton of hours, I would imagine thousands of hours working on and, and for not a whole lot of return. And that's kind of breaking the 1% kind of stemmed from that, that those lessons. I think that anyone in the field of entrepreneurship 
you know, it's not, it's not often you hit a home run, you know, on your first try, there's take, there's a lot of learning involved. And that's what VTX was for us was essentially, you know, a welcome to the world of online business. We both had not a whole lot of experience in it, you know? And so that's what kind of what we did for the first year of our, of our entrepreneurial journey. Nothing wrong with that. It definitely does take time to learn how things work and to sort of try and figure it out. And I think you touched on an important subject. It's persistence and trying to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't, sort of throwing a whole bunch of stuff against the wall and seeing what's stuck and why it's stuck really is the important part. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the the biggest lesson for us is Jeff had Jeff and I had never done anything like this. Uh coming, you know, out of school with two biology degrees, you know, online business was a totally foreign world, you know, to us. We we didn't have a whole lot of experience. Neither one of us went to school for it. We didn't have any friends that were really in the field. And so the only experience we had whatsoever were some like basic programming classes that I had taken in in high school, really. I think during high school I had taken a, a Java and C++ class to learn kind of the basics of coding. And that is long, long since, you know, fallen by the wayside. My programming knowledge is still pretty primitive. So we learned, we learned a lot over the years. And uh, one of the things that I picked up just through college and, and kind of as a hobby was kind of learning how to program, you know, and, and kind of just that basic baseline for coding. And I, I didn't really know, understand a whole lot about C++, JavaScript, PHP. That, that was an entirely foreign world to me. Um, but I, I knew enough to kind of to get around to kind of how to host a website, some of the lingo. And so that's where I come in. And, and this whole picture is, is Jeff was more of the finance guy. That's more his background. He actually sat for the CFA level two exam up until recently. And he's actually abandoned that just to kind of chase this, this website that we're working on now. Um, so his, his background is more of the finance, mine's more of the technical side of things. So we kind of complement each other in that regard. Uh, I was the one who helped design VTX uh, with the help of a few other guys. And I was also the one who helped design Breaking the 1% as well. Um, so I kind of handle the tech side of things and Jeff kind of handles the content, you know, curation and that kind of stuff. Um, awesome. But yeah, so yeah, BTOP was essentially a rise from our, you know, failure with VTX essentially. Fantastic. And starting a blog can be exceptionally hard as well. I think a lot of people, you know, they they go into it seeing that other people are making some money online and they try and, you know, get a little bit of that success for themselves. And a lot of people end up failing. What would you say is a fundamental strategy that you've implemented to gain additional traffic and not lose sight of the end goal? Yeah. So when Jeff and I started again, I mean, we were, we were in the same boat that a lot of people are in. We really, you know, we saw that people could make money blogging, but we weren't, you know, quite sure how it all, you know, stuck together. And uh, one of the mistakes that we made early on with VTX was that we essentially went about things our own way. We kind of did a lot of self-learning, a lot of trial and error. And that took, you know, a year or more, 18 months really, before we started breaking the 1% of just learning and failing. And I think one of the, one of the things, one of the takeaways from that lesson was that it's okay to, you know, admit or, or come to the realization that you're not, you know, you're not the smartest one out there. You're not the only one who's ever done this before. And to really seek out those people that have come before you that have had success. I know that one of one of the most valuable pieces of information that I always give to people and something that Jeff and I have really learned is that we're not a lot of a lot of the people in this niche are not the first ones here. We're not unique. We're all kind of 
working together towards this common goal of educating people and, and, you know, learning from one another. And I think that something that Jeff and I like to do is essentially look up to people, kind of emulate them and, and see what makes them successful. That's like the biggest piece of advice I always give to people is that, you know, study and emulate people in your field, you know, influencers in your niche. And, and what are, what exactly is it that they are doing that is making them successful? Are they, you know, are they an influencer on social media and that's how they're driving traffic? You know, are they, what, what, what methods of, of driving traffic are there that are available to you? If you can't spend money, if you're not, if you're not able to spend money, what sort of free methods are available to you to kind of drive traffic to your website and something that Jeff and I, you know, kind of latched onto early on was ironically Pinterest. I'm not sure if that's something that you guys utilize or for your business or not, but you know, one of, one of the things that has kind of carried us for these first two years is actually, you know, some of the traffic that we've able to been, been able to acquire through Pinterest. And that's been really honestly, like the basis for our success for the first two years anyways. And that's kind of what we use to leverage our our future success. So that's, that's Pinterest has actually been a lifesaver for us. Pinterest is actually a very, like, it's sort of like the um, dark horse that you didn't really expect to go anywhere, you know? I mean, like, it's actually like a visual search network, you know? So one could argue, what's that got to do with personal finance, you know? So, uh, like, it really is interesting that you can make such a success out of it. Yeah, no, something that, that Jeff and I learned, you know, very early on is that it, it's very it, – the Internet is a very noisy place, and it's, it's very hard to compete. Um, for for people's opinion, you know, attention in such a, a noisy place. And when we started out with VTX and we were essentially trying to solicit clients or or readers, we were trying to take them away from more established figures, and that's really really hard to do. And so we actually tried Pinterest as kind of a last resort. We weren't gaining much of a following on Twitter or Facebook, or not that we weren't gaining a following so much as that we just weren't driving enough traffic to make our blog a business. Uh, some people get into blogging as a hobby and then later realize that they can, you know, make it a business. Jeff and I kind of knew from the get go that, that our blog was an avenue for us to monetize, you know, our business. And so Pinterest again was kind of a last resort. We had tried Facebook, we had tried Twitter, we had tried advertising, paid advertising on both mediums, and we just weren't driving enough traffic and we weren't experienced enough, you know, creating funnels and creating landing pages to, to really monetize what we were doing. So we were kind of just aimlessly, you know, spending ads on ad spend, which is something I'm sure a lot of people have done. Um, and so Pinterest, we, we kind of got into it. We really had no idea what we were doing, but I think we got in a couple of years ago uh, before some of the algorithm changes and that benefited us a little bit. I think that, you know, it, it was an immediate return on our, our time. We were going from getting just a couple hundred hits a day to several thousand a day at one point, two years ago, just from Pinterest. And we were like, wow, what have we stumbled on? Like, what, what is this? And that's when we kind of went all in on, on devoting our time and our resources to that one medium, rather than try to be in seven spots at once on seven social media platforms, we decided, Hey, we're going to maintain a presence on, on these other six social media platforms, but we're going to put, you know, most of our time and effort into this one platform that is effectively free and we're, we're gaining a ton of traffic on and we were able to monetize that. Very often it's just starting off small and just focusing all your efforts in one place that can really make all that difference. So just in terms of your Pinterest, you have managed to garner an incomprehensible amount of buzz on Pinterest in a really short time. So first off, 
well done and congratulations. And secondly, could you tell us your secrets? What made you different from everyone else that's out there? Sure, sure. So yeah, I mean, like you said, the one of the most pleasant surprises about Pinterest is just how quickly, you know, it, it kind of took off for us. Um, the I think the thing about Pinterest that it makes it unlike any other social media platform is that you can take what is effectively a very small following and just because of the the way their algorithm is set up, um, kind of multiply that tenfold and kind of really get your content out there to people that are interested in it. Um, when we first, again, like what we said, when we first started Pinterest, we really had no clue what we were doing. Um, but we kind of quickly caught on. We read basically any free resources available out there to us. We kind of just hopped on Google and started saying like, you know, how are people using traffic or how are people using Pinterest, excuse me, to drive traffic to their website. And, uh, one of the things that we found right away was group boards. I think that if you're familiar with Pinterest or you've been on it at all, you keep hearing all oh, group boards are the source of traffic. You know, you have to get on group boards, you have to get on group boards. And that's just like a point that like everyone harps on. And then if you've been following the network more recently, they've also made changes to their algorithm that have like kind of muted the effective group boards, but that's, you know, something that's kind of been more of a recent change and people are like, Oh, should we post to them anymore? Should we use them anymore? Um, and so, yeah, really the basis for our success has honestly been the group board, you know, functionality of, of Pinterest by joining a group board, you have instant access to the followers of that particular person who hosts the group board. Um, so if you're in the personal finance or investing niche and there's another influencer in your area, say that particular influencer has, you know, 10,000 followers, you have instantaneous access to 10,000 of their followers. Now that's not to say that, that your content is going to be shown to all 10,000 followers, but like any social media algorithm, there's like a subset of the, there your content. If your content is, is really engaging, then more and more of their followers are, t- are typically going to see it. Pinterest, like you said, um, is about as a visual search engine that's all about showing the best content to to the right people. And then so if you're creating content that's of high quality and uh, is really engaging, they're going to keep showing your your content to you know other people's followers if you're on group boards. And so what we did when we first you know joined Pinterest was we made it a point to get on you know as many quality group boards as we could. Uh, that's something that has kind of changed over the years as their algorithm has changed. Uh, you used to be able to just get on Pinterest, get on as many group boards as possible and just, you know, pin like crazy because their algorithm used to be chronologically based. Uh, they would show, you know, pins in chronological order. So it almost didn't really matter if the group board was, you know, quality or, or not really spammy or anything like that. You could just kind of post it free will. But uh, due to more recent algorithm changes, you, you know, you, you still want to post to group boards, but you're trying to choose the higher quality ones. So that that's a good change that they made. Awesome. So I know that you've made a course that Katie and myself have actually both taken. We actually heard some really great stuff about it on um, our Rockstar Finance Forum group. And so would you like to give us a 60 second elevator pitch about the perfect pin? Yeah, sure, sure. So Jeff and I, you know, part of breaking the 1%, uh, part of that bringing about that site was one, not only to teach younger people about finance and investing in entrepreneurship, but it was more of our avenue to talk about, you know, blogging in general. And, and one of those things that came with blogging was using Pinterest as a, a source for driving traffic. And obviously Jeff and I have, 
have been blessed to drive a ton of traffic with Pinterest. And, and part of that is because Jeff just has this insatiable, you know, talent that, that he's, he's just super good at creating pins. I mean, that is something I owe to him. Um, and again, this is, I kind of work in tandem. I'm more of the analytics guy. I, I study, you know, the effects of his pens and he designs them. So we kind of work in tandem, but yeah, basically the course, um, teaches you, Jeff kind of put it together. And I, with a little bit of my help, um, teaches you how to create pins or images really. I mean, it's really applicable to any social media platform, but we just started with pins simply because, you know, that is our foundation, um, kind of where our experience lies. But yeah, Jeff put a couple modules together, um, teaching people basically pen theory, what, what constitutes a good pen, what, what constitutes good sizing, good color scheming, uh, what has it, what drives traffic through good headlines and kind of all tying it all together. And so the premise of the course is essentially, again, the perfect pen, trying to design pens that just stand out, that pop, um, as Jeff said in our, our landing page, that pop out on people's news feeds, uh, Pinterest, again, is a progressive algorithm. I would imagine they're kind of tight to the chest. They don't release much about their, but they're about their algorithm, but a lot of, a lot of what is known revolves around engagement. And so if your images are, are of high quality and your headlines are enticing and your pens are super engaging and getting high click throughs, um, you're going to get more readers. And so part of what Jeff talks about in the course is, you know, creating images that literally stand out on a news feed. What eye-popping images are you going to click on as a casual reader that would entice you to click through to the website? And part of that is is just essentially targeting the the commonalities of the known points of their algorithm. So yeah, it's creating the perfect pen is effectively just creating great images that stand out that drive traffic. I love it. So I must say one thing that a lot of bloggers have started doing is publishing their income reports online. First, why do you think it's important for bloggers to do this? And what sort of growth are you hoping to achieve in the next year? Yeah, so obviously income reports are a newer thing. And by newer, I just mean within the last five to 10 years. Uh, I mean, the, the internet in general is a newer concept. So income reports on our online income reports uh, have only been around for just really the last decade or so. Um, but I think one of the things that, that people hope to do, or maybe the original, the original intention behind income reports was to create, you know, a sense of transparency, like accountability. This is, you know, this is what we're doing in our business. This is what's working. You know, this is, these are my goals. This is what I would like to do over the next, you know, X amount of time and then kind of like a way to, you know, have your readers keep you accountable and just create that sense of transparency. And I think over the years, they haven't really lost that purpose. The people that, that are consistent about it, they still, they still hold that purpose. You know, if they're honestly creating income reports that reflect their true, you know, work, then, then yeah, that sense of accountability is still there. You're, it's a good avenue for sharing your, your goals with your readers and then getting that positive or, you know, feedback or even constructive criticism. A lot of times some of your readers are bloggers as well, and they'll offer criticism or constructive criticism on what you can do to reach your goals. Um, and then another thing, again, this is kind of the evolution of income reports in my opinion, but obviously part of it is, is as a sales pitch really out there to show other interested, you know, entrepreneurs that blogging is a, is a real thing and that you can actually make real money doing it. You can, if you're even remotely interested in, in 
being an entrepreneur and having your own business, blogging is a very real medium for, for generating traffic and income. And so over the years, I think you've seen income reports take that sort of, of line where they're, it's a good tool for driving even more revenue, highlighting your work for the month, showcasing products that you've created. Um, and it's something that we do too. Uh, I mean, in our income reports, we, we share our income, our goals, what, you know, we give a breakdown of our income, you know, and, and what led to, you know, each facet or each area of income. And so another thing that we have tried to do with our income reports to kind of set them apart is to offer value. I mean, not a whole lot of people are interested and the same copy and pasted income report from month to month, other than the shock, you know, the eye, the eye test or the shock factor, uh, you know, I've seen someone creating insane income from blogging. And so it kind of inspires them to do as well. But something that I know that Jeff works really hard in doing is creating value for people that read our income reports. Uh, we don't, we don't post one every month, you know, Jeff only posts one when he thinks that he has enough valuable substance to talk about in addition to just the income. So I know with our most recent one, I think Jeff just posted it. It looks like it looks like he updated it yesterday. But he we just posted our recent most recent one. It's actually our first article on BTOP if you're interested. But in it he did a QA session. I think there's about 10 questions that we took from our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group for our readers. Anyone's really welcome to join, but you know it's applicable to stuff that happens on BTOP. And he in it he talked he took about 10 questions. Um, kind of like we're doing now and just kind of helped readers out, provide value in the income report beyond just stating numbers. So that was actually something really cool. I mean, that was a, an idea that he had effectively to just provide value with the incomes rather than just stating our income. So, yeah. Awesome. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, do you often feel like you have too much month at the end of your money Katie's written an awesome guide at chainofwealth.com slash money tips. There are 17 actionable tips you can apply to your life and figure out ways to save money each and every month to end up with more money in your bank accounts. Learn to cut away your frivolous expenditure and find strategies that really work. This comprehensive guide is over 5,000 words and contains a huge wealth of information. So head over to chainofwealth.com slash money tips to find out more and free your finances. So Benjamin, why do you think that people fail at achieving their dreams? Yeah, that's a tough one. Obviously, there's a ton of reasons, um, but I think there are a couple to begin with. Um, One is that sometimes people you know, aren't necessarily equipped with the right skill set to succeed in the first place. And what I mean by that is when you think of blogging specifically, you know, a lot of people are sold on the dream that you could create a blog and make tens and thousands of dollars in income. Um, But the reality is that there is a pretty steep learning curve uh, between just creating a blog and actually monetizing the blog. Right. I think that, I think that a lot of our readers almost all of our readers truly have the capability of, of creating a blog and downloading a theme and, and getting a presentable website up and running. Um, but having the skill set to go out there and, and monetize it is an entirely different story. I think that you have, I think it's something that anyone or everyone can learn, but you have to devote a lot of time to learning 
you know, a lot of different areas, whether it be, you know, blogging or, or marketing or, you know, sales pages or funnels. There's a, there's a lot out there advertising. And unless you have the time and energy to, to really devote yourself to all of those things, it's a pretty tough industry to break into. And so I think, like I said, like part of it is, you know, if you're coming from a completely naive background, um, I think people are kind of sold on the fact that you can just set up a blog and make thousands per month. But in reality, you have a lot of learning to do before you're probably ever going to get to that point. And so it can be done. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you have come in with the understanding that this is a years long process and that, you know, if you can commit to kind of learning a little bit every day on top of working on your blog, um, it is definitely something that pretty much anyone could honestly do. You just have to, again, come in with that understanding that this is not going to happen overnight. You know, five figures on their blog within a year, but typically those are people that, you know, have devoted, you know, dozens of hours a week, if not, you know, more than that to reading, learning, writing. There's just a lot that goes into it. And I think that people are, are sold on the fact that they can make a huge income from blogging just like two hours a week. And that's really just not true. So Awesome. So do you have any other books or podcasts that you're currently into? Yeah. So actually, yeah, we, Jeff has recently got me hooked on um, another podcast. It's by Pete, Pete McPherson. I'm not quite sure um, if you are familiar with him. He, he creates a very similar uh, podcast about blogging. Um, it's called, you can check out his site at doyouevenblog.com. Um, but yeah, so that he is doing a similar, you know, concept in that he likes to interview other bloggers and kind of provide value to his readers uh, through that method, basically interviewing other successful entrepreneurs and you know finding out what works for them, how they've gone about their business, their successes and failures, and kind of what has shaped them into the you know business owner that they are now. And so something that I like about that, you know, and, and this is even a good suggestion for your show, uh, is that he will try to find as many successful people as possible and, and bring them on the show. And the reason I like it is because there's there's always some learning to it. Uh, you're you're constantly finding someone who knows more than you that's done it before you um, that can teach you a thing or two about you know blogging or business in general. And so he's brought on a couple other big bloggers on there, and and, and each and every time I take something away from it. Uh, so whether it be I think he interviewed uh, Deacon Hayes of Well Cup Wallet just a couple months back about, and one of the things I enjoyed about it was he talked about his Facebook ad spend and, and what he's doing that works for him. Um, and so I learned a few things from there. I've kind of tinkered our own advertising because of it. Um, and it's been starting to pay off. So I, I owe that to him. So yeah, that is definitely one of my um, favorite podcasts at the moment. I definitely spend a lot of time working on my own site and probably should devote more time to learning. To be honest, I think that's, again, that's something that I'm trying to, to get better at is that I spend a lot of time doing, but not necessarily enough time learning still. I definitely need to set a, a couple hours aside each week to learning, you know, what don't I know? You don't know what you don't know is something that Jeff kind of said the other day. And it's true. And it's true. Yeah. It's just totally true. So just because you think things are going well, they're still, you know, a tip or hint or trick out there that you don't know. And so that's definitely something that I've taken to heart recently. And I'm trying to get better at trying to spend more time learning. So yeah, definitely check out Pete's podcast if you get a chance, you know, say hi to Pete for me. Fantastic. Do you have a favorite quote? Favorite quote? Um, I think that, you know, I had come up, we were looking for content for BTOP the other day and I was looking for stuff for the Facebook group. And I was actually 
It's actually kind of a funny one. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up here real quick because I was gonna share it with you and your readers. But essentially, it, something goes to something the effect of, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, is a time when some people are going to work or, or legends rise, and then some are still going to bed. And that's it's actually a, I, I can't paraphrase it quote for you know word for word. But the, the reason I like it is because. You know, when you're in this industry, there's a, a little bit of sacrifice, uh, especially in terms of time. I think that something that Jeff and I have learned over the years is that there's an importance, you know, work-life balance is such an important, you know, concept. And being a, an entrepreneur often requires a huge time commitment. And so the reason it's kind of important to me is simply because uh, it's a constant reminder that, yes, you know, I need to we're putting in a ton of time into our business, into our income, but it's still important at the end of the day to do things that matter. Um, and so we both have, you know, significant others in our lives that are important to us. And so it's a good reminder of, of the time sacrifice that is involved, but also at the same time, making time for, for other people that are important to you. So balance is definitely a hard thing to achieve. <laughs> yes, very, very much. Yeah. I think between us, we're probably working 60 and 80 hours a week sometimes and, and prioritizing our business, you know, at the end of the day still has to come, you know, either at the expense of someone else or, you know, you make a sacrifice to put, make them a priority in your life too. So that's definitely something that, you know, Jeff and I constantly keep each other accountable for is like, Hey, let's go out and do this. Let's, you know, let's make sure that we set aside time for, you know, people that matter. So. That's great. So Ben, where can, where can our listeners find you if they want to know more information? Sure. So right now, uh, the, probably the best place to really get you know, access to me and Jeff is in our private Facebook group. Um, if you go to breakingthe1percent.com in the footer, there's a, a link to our Facebook group. We've got about, I would say, I think there's about 800 other bloggers in there at the moment. And Jeff and I are super, super attentive to that group. So if you ever have any questions for us, you can always drop them in the group and we're, we're pretty quick to answer. I think I'd probably check off about 50 notifications from the group a day. Um, and pretty good bet that one of us will respond to you within the hour. So yeah, if you're, if you're awake at pretty much any time, I actually work night shift at the hospital sometimes too. So you can pretty much catch one of us at any time. Um, but yeah, the Facebook group is definitely the best place to get a hold of us if you have questions or anything like that. Fantastic. Benjamin, we've definitely loved hanging out. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice? And then we'll say goodbye. No, yeah, sure. Um, I think, like I said, this is something I touched on a little bit earlier, but one of the most important lessons that Jeff and I have learned throughout this process is that you need to constantly sit back and reflect on what is working and what isn't and be willing to change. I think that when we started VTX Capital or other site, we spent a long time kind of trying to improve a process that we were working on when in reality, it was time to hang it up and, and move on. And I think that once you find something that works, you know, devote your attention to it rather than trying to be present on seven, you know, social media platforms at once and just kind of keeping ourselves spread out and just creating this huge time commitment. We kind of devoted all of our attention to Pinterest and it paid off in a huge way. And I think that people try to be, you know, jack of all trades for lack of better words, but really at the end of the day, sometimes what works out the best is just devoting your time and resources into one area and really excelling at that area. You know, it's, and that really, again, that really paid off for us was we devoted all of our time to Pinterest and we started driving, you know, several hundred thousand hits a month to our websites, to that medium. Um, and so again, my biggest piece of advice is, is to be willing to change, you know, accept when things are not going correctly and then 
kind of reflect and say, what can I do that is doing well? What am I, what am I doing right now that's working? And what can I do to improve upon that? And I think that'll help a lot of people. Chainers, we've been hanging out with Benjamin Huber from Breaking the 1%. Check out their sites at breakingthe1percent.com. And if you'd like even more information, jump onto their Facebook group. There's loads of great material and people in there to meet and you'll get a quick response. Chainers, if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. You can easily do it on all the major apps, whether you're on iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is. It makes a huge difference to the show. So please take a minute out of your day and help us out. Catch you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.